Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. A little late on a Monday. A little late. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Kid had a dentist appointment this morning. What are you going to do? You know? Got to sort through some stuff. Luckily, we still have a few hours before the week begins. And this is really, if the poll was any indicator, a lot of you are now in the playoffs. Uh, not quite half, I think, when the numbers shook themselves out. One to next Monday, that's the big chunk. That's when most folks start their playoffs. But I think about 30 to 40% of you head-to-head leaguers are in your postseason right now. So we've got streaming grids to look at and a weekend to review. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. we got Reverse Chronological Lightning Round coming up on the other side of this intro. We'll do it a little faster than usual uh, because it's basically for the... It's really for the Roto Leaguers, I think. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and then we'll go through and look at some of the potential streamables coming up here on the head-to-head side. Remember, earlier in this year, we had classified the different players into two streaming categories. There were schedule streamers, which is basically head-to-head, and there were opportunity streamers, which might be good enough for both, but you need, especially right now, where weekly moves are so critical in your head-to-head playoffs, the opportunity streams really do veer more into the Roto realm. I want to start by saying hello. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, Who knows that we're called Sports Ethos Presentation? (laughs) Oh, man. Idiot, Baspris. I'm Dan Baspris, at Dan Baspris on Twitter. Running some prizes today. Running some prizes today. If you guys want one, you got to hit me up on the socials. Search for Dan from Hoopball or just type in Dan Baspris and the Twitter will probably pop up. Uh, look for recent tweets. I sent it at 7.47 this morning, Pacific time. Got prizes. Got prizes. So bug me about those. Would love to see you. Uh, you do have to follow me so I can send you a direct message about it. And then we can get you hooked up on that front as well. Sportsethos.com. Ethos Fantasy BK is the news feed. Always terrific. That as we're recording this show, we find out that Gordon Hayward is not in his walking boot anymore. So he's inching his way closer. You're not making a move on that yet. There's still a couple steps in between, but just, you know, kind of letting you know the news as it's breaking over at Ethos Fantasy BK. We're going to start with the reverse reverse chronological lightning round and then work our way through the schedule. Boston hosted the Brooklyn Nets. Jason Tatum had 54, the Time Lord, 10 and 8, with two assists, two steals, five blocks, Five out of seven shooting in the ballgame. Robert Williams on the season now, by average, is number 18. Kyrie Irving and Paul George are two of the guys in front of him, so really he's kind of number 16 by averages. He did miss a few games earlier in the year, so by totals the number's actually relatively similar, but he's an early second rounder on 10-10 and with 3.2 defensive stats, two assists, and just amazing. I mean, he's like the ultimate punt points guy this year. Would have thought it would Draymond Green, but he didn't stay healthy. No real notes are on that Celtic side. One little note, I guess, on the Celtic side. Jalen Brown came back, and what we're seeing now is Boston in these tighter ball games, they really do lean on the starters. So Derek White, who I figured would play at least 25 minutes a game off the bench, 
has actually been under that mark. And I don't think he's a must-own player anymore. Wanted to give him a little bit more wiggle room, kind of see how he settled in. Uh, and the answer is there's, there's a little bit of a hot hand thing that happens. You know, if the starter is someone getting into foul trouble, whatever, maybe he's a guy that sees a, a, a bit of bonus time. But it's not a guarantee. And without that guarantee of minutes, this is a time of year where you need to have those roster spots in flex for something else. Now, you know, timing makes a big deal. Boston uh, this week has a pretty crummy schedule, actually. They don't play today or tomorrow. They go Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So if you're going to make a move on the Derek White front, this would kind of be the time. And Boston overall has really sort of a clunky playoff schedule anyway. As far as the Nets go... Goran Dragic is actually starting to see a little bit more time, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to get high enough on the board. Seth Curry, I think you got to stick with it. The minutes are there. The usage hasn't been as he tries to figure out what his place is now when the team goes on the road with Kevin Durant back and Kyrie Irving available to play. Meanwhile, Bruce Brown had another decent ball game. I, you know, I guess you can continue to stream him. I feel more comfortable streaming Brown in the head-to-head platform, you know, where where you know, if one bad game happens, it's not the end of the world. But head-to-head, they also don't have a, a great schedule this week or next week. So kind of have to take that one the grain of salt. Makes him a little bit of a less enticing stream. Uh, and then LaMarcus Aldridge, well, I was talking on the, I think I mentioned on the Friday show, it might have been the Thursday show, I forget, that I thought both Nets starters, at, or both Nets centers, I should say, would probably have some value until Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons came back. Well, now we see KD back, and indeed, that has taken something away from the centers. Aldridge, luckily, has good percentages, so that can float his numbers a bit more than Andre Drummond, who needs to be out there collecting hundreds of rebounds to offset the other stuff. I'm fine with moving on from both of them, frankly. I like Aldridge more in a roto format. I don't really like either of them in head-to-head, especially with the bad schedule campaign in the starting lineup and just dunking on everybody right now. Terrific couple of ball games for Cam. Yes, Devin Booker's return, which I would assume would be relatively soon. He's had COVID for about a week now, so uh, you know, we don't know how bad he has it, and there hasn't been an update in a couple of days, but I, I can't imagine it'll be that much longer. Yeah, that'll put a dent into things, but Landry Shaman is likely the guy that goes back to the bench, not Payne. Cam is the starting point guard, so he's going to rack up assists, He's not going to take 19 shots when Booker's back in there, so don't fall in love with the 23 points per game. But, you know, we're seeing the efficiency a little bit better here in this one. The three-pointers, probably not going to be that high typically, but I think the assists you can count on. And then you've got Jay Crowder, who stepped into a bigger role with Chris Paul out. Uh, But yeah, campaign looks like a really nice grab. I'm glad I spent a bunch of fab dollars on him in a couple of spots. And... Hopefully you guys went out and grabbed him as well after we did a pretty long segment about it. Nothing on that Milwaukee side. Indiana in Washington. Poor Isaiah Jackson is having a lot of trouble staying out of foul situations in the NBA so far. Luckily, he had 6-5 and five with two blocks in only eight minutes. So he's a guy you have to hang on to because right now he's legitimately fantasy worthy in about 15 minutes a game. And we just hope that he can stay out of foul trouble long enough to give you more than that. I mean, six and five with two blocks, that's in like one quarter of work. Even if this was half of his game, that would still be a terrific line. So hang on there. Goga Batadze had a huge game. Who cares? I don't. Jalen Smith played well again. Who cares? I do. 
I do. I like Jalen Smith. Hold on to Smith. Hold on to Jackson. We've already moved on from Brissett here on this podcast, so you guys kind of know where we're at with that one. And Washington. Chris stops Porzingis back. 21 very efficient minutes for KP. 25 points, five boards, three threes, and two blocks. Fire him up. I also think, I think I said this on Friday's show, and I'll admit, we're probably a little bit late on this one, but Cantavius Caldwell-Pope has sort of, he's officially now set himself as a nine-cat, start-every-day kind of guy. And I think that seems to be the case even with Porzingis back. KCP just willing to do a little bit more lately. His usage has clicked up. Also of note in this ballgame, Raul Neto turned an ankle. They don't think it's all that bad, but if Ish Smith gets a start, he's probably a short opportunity stream guy, unless we find out that Neto's ankle injury turns out to be worse. Uh, You could drop Smith in there, knowing that you know without Neto in play, he probably gets 30 minutes, and that's enough for a decent chunk of assists, which is kind of all you're hunting for with Ish. Some assists, a few steals... Maybe he gets you like 10 points on hopefully like four out of eight shooting with a couple of free throws. He's not going to do much offensively. He never has. He doesn't shoot the three ball almost at all. So don't put your eggs in that basket. But if you just want one game where you can squeeze out a few assists before he runs out of gas, makes a lot of sense. I would pick up Ish in a lot of roto formats for their next ball game, assuming Neto does have to miss one. I've got to think he does. Guys that get an, turn an ankle and then don't finish the ball game it's going to swell up more, so it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. So i got to think Neto misses at least one, maybe a little bit more. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. But the flip side of all of this is that with Porzingis back, uh, you can drop all the other centers. Thomas Bryant didn't even play. Daniel Gafford only saw 16 minutes. He was barely hanging on to value before Porzingis came around. He's done now. Now, Porzingis is going to rest back-to-backs. He's probably going to be on a minutes cap maybe the rest of the season. So there are these little, you know, hot pockets where you could throw Gafford back in for a game, but you can't do that in head-to-head. Roto, you could just pick him up and kind of plan ahead. You know, look at Washington's schedule. They have some back-to-backs between now and the end of the year. They actually have one later this week. Friday, Saturday, so KP probably skips one of those. They have one Friday, Saturday of the following week, Thursday, Friday of the week after that, Tuesday, Wednesday, the week after that, Tuesday, Wednesday, the last week of the season. So there's a back-to-back every single week for Washington, meaning you could play Daniel Gafford for five games the rest of the way, but is that really worth spending a roster slot when these other guys are floating around? I think the answer's no. 
Super weird game for Brandon Clark, who I remain bullish on, despite a bit of a downturn for him. 27 minutes is often way more than enough for Brandon, but for whatever reason, Steven Adams has been on a crazy heater lately. So even here with JJJ in terrible foul trouble and Clark picking up a truckload of extra minutes, he still didn't really get to do very much. Not that he's generally asked to do a lot, but a usage rate of under 9 was exceptionally low. I'm also sticking with DeAnthony Melton. His minutes have actually been pretty safe lately. Uh, this is one of those strange ones, again, where he didn't have to do as much. Memphis lost in Houston. That's a bad ball game. But stick with your Grizzlies guys at this point. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shuttle along from there. On the Houston side, I think the one thing we've really seen here lately is that Jalen Green has begun to figure out the NBA. We knew there was going to be that moment, and we kept sort of trying to stay. You want to stay like one to two weeks in front of it. The first sign of it waking up, and I'm, I'm hoping a lot of you guys were able to jump on. I grabbed him about two weeks ago when we saw that first, like it was kind of like a back-to-back. I don't know if the games were actually back-to-back, but it was two games in a row where he looked a little more comfortable. The percentages were a bit better. Free throws have been odd lately for him. I suppose I'm really talking about field goal percent. And now he's doing it with Kevin Porter Jr. back in the mix. So all that's a really good sign. Rockets are actually playing better with Green playing better. No no surprise there. And I got to say, the one spot I'm really excited about is that I was able to pick him up in a keeper league. That floored me that he got dropped in a keeper league. Guess I should figure out where the hell he got drafted. That's going to actually matter. But regardless, we're talking about someone that now is... Going to kind of be a focal point of a team probably for a while. We're the top pick. Not the top pick, but a top pick. Anywho, Utah beat Oklahoma City 116-103. Rudy Gobert is questionable with a calf soreness. Hopefully it's not a re-aggravation of the stuff from earlier this year. Keep an eye on that. Oklahoma City side, no Isaiah Roby. Dealing with, I believe it was a back issue. I wrote it down and then I lost where I put it. Uh, so Darius Baisley started at center, and he had some blocks to show for it, which I guess is a good thing. But otherwise, Alexei Pokashevsky is kind of the only other guy you're trusting besides Shea in this current iteration. If Roby comes back before Dort and Giddy, I think you could make it a three-pack of Shea, Poku, and Roby. And then once Giddy and Dort come back, it sounds like those guys are still a week or two away by all the reports we're seeing. At some point, we might hear from them again and then you got to start to worry about i would think poku maybe both pokashevsky and roby but cross that bridge when you get there for now those guys are playing and thunder have a good schedule coming up starting on sunday of this week so maybe not the best schedule here but starting on sunday they actually go uh six games i believe in nine days Starting Sunday the 13th, I think I'm getting that right. And that's basically as good a long stream as you're going to find this year, outside of the weird postponement spots. Six and nine is terrific. So if you can, if your playoffs haven't started yet, Thunder are a great team to grab in preparation for next week. If they have started, uh, they go back-to-back starting tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then they're off for three days. So that would be a very short stream, which some of you do. I just... I think we need to be a bit more judicious with our moves. Chris Boucher is a guy you got to add everywhere as long as Freddie Van Fleet and Malachi Flynn are both out, along with OG Ananobi, who we know is out for at least another week. There's a chance that Boucher 
particularly in the roto spots, because if Freddie Van Fleet in particular just pops up, Flynn is out for 10 days, and Anobi's out for another week and change. So it's really Van Vliet is the one that's going to be questionable every ball game. And when he gets ruled in, Boucher probably drops from 36 minutes here back down to like 22, and then likely is outside of fantasy value at that point. But if Van Vliet's out and Boucher is starting, I mean, we know starting caliber Chris Boucher, that's a top 40 fantasy play. So in Roto, add him everywhere immediately. In head-to-head, it's tough. They're off for two days, the Raptors are, after their hectic last week. And and then they've got three in four nights starting on Wednesday before rolling into a very bland schedule. They go five times in about eight days starting early next week. If you picked up a Raptor on Friday of this week and held them through Monday of next week, I believe you get seven games in 11 days, which is decent. I mean, it's pretty good. But by the end of that, you've got to figure that someone has come back. So I don't think you can long stream Toronto. I do think this makes a lot of sense where you pick him up in Roto, you get whatever you can out of it. Maybe you don't get anything. That's the fear. If you made a move now in Roto or in head-to-head, you might not even get to play him for a productive game. Might be forced to play him for a non-productive game, but that's where it's at. Buried the lead a little bit. Jared Allen, fractured finger. He is out indefinitely as of right now. There isn't a pickup, so I guess, you know, Matt, that's why we could kind of stuff this news down in the middle of our Sunday chronology. Kevin Love, Larry Markkinen, Evan Mobley will all be asked to do a little bit more. J.D. Osmond might be asked to do a little bit more, but his fantasy game borders on unusable outside of leagues where, you know, all you need are points, basically. Because uh, he typically doesn't do a whole lot else. Might tumble into a steal every once in a while when Garland was out. He picked up a few assists, although then Brandon Goodwin kind of moved into that slot. So I'm not doing the Chetty Osmond thing. You could look at it in a points league. It's just not going to be particularly safe. Overtime. Denver beat New Orleans. Nikola Jokic hoisting the team onto his back again with an all-timer. 46 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals, four blocks, and three three-pointers on 73% from the field, 11 out of 12 at the free throw line. This was an Herculean fantasy game. Reality game, too, mind you. Will Barton's a bit dinged up. He uh, left partway through this thing, which typically when he's out, those are the games when Monte Morris is forced to take a few shots, so I would look that direction if he has to miss another one today. He's questionable as of this moment. And then on the New Orleans side, uh, the Jackson-Hayes line is a little disappointing. Six points, six boards in 26 minutes. But as long as he's starting, you'll stick with it. And then with Herb Jones, the three turnovers were kind of the one little mess on his fairly typical, very steals-heavy type of fantasy line. So no massive surprises over there either. I would have just liked to seen a little bit more offensively from Jackson Hayes. Get a bit more involved. And the Knicks blew out the Clippers. Clippers are already a really difficult team to read. Terrence Mann's getting big minutes. Reggie Jackson's getting big minutes. Ivica Zubats typically does. He had some foul issues early in this game and just wasn't playing all that well. So Isaiah Hartenstein got a few extra minutes, but his free throws lately have been sinking his value. It's why he's like top one and 90 or 200 
despite actually putting up some pretty good numbers in other categories. I still trust Zubats, Reggie Jackson, Rob Covington, and Terrence Mann right now. Those are the four Clippers. I think you can start night to night and not really have to worry about it. Although, again, Reggie and Zoo were quite bad in this ballgame. Mitchell Robinson has forgotten how to shoot a free throw. He went 0 for 6. Good Lord at the fantasy line. That is a stiff dump on your free throw percent. Alec Burks is waking up. Thank goodness for that, because as a starter, we kind of assumed he had to, and then he didn't, but now he is. And that just makes the thing simple. Emmanuel quickly was great in this ballgame, but I need to see that about four more times before I even pay it even the tiniest bit of mine. I will remind you all on this lovely Monday that our friends over at ThriveFantasy.com are our close friends at ThriveFantasy.com. Please do check them out. ThriveFantasy.com, the website, the Thrive Fantasy app is available in all different app locations, Android and Apple devices. And with our promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, E-T-H-O-S, ETHOS, you not only get the 100% deposit match bonus, which they offer to a lot of different promo code users, but special for us here at Sports Ethos, those $20 contest entry vouchers. That's the real kicker right there. Two $20 contest entry tickets with a $10 deposit. I love this deal. Deposit 10 bucks. They'll match the 10, and they'll give you the two $20 tickets. So you get $60 of play, although 40 of those you have to use in a particular way. The other 20, as you please, for a $10 deposit. Please do check that out. I may have prizes related to them. I don't know. You'll just have to bug me on social. At Dan Vesperson, I can tell you more about our friends at ThriveFantasy.com. The prop betting DFS site. Super cool, man. I love it. I love what they've done with DFS. They've made it accessible to people like me who really find traditional DFS too heavy. It's too heavy, man. Can't ride that roller coaster. I'm a patient man. DFS is for less patient people. (laughs) I'm the the other side of that coin. Give me props, man. Prop up. Hit me up. Don't prop up before you hit me up. This feels like a sex ed video for 7th graders. Saturday on the reverse chronology. Luckily, we had such a busy Sunday that Saturday feels pretty darn easy by comparison, doesn't it? Well, it does to me, even if you disagree. Uh, Just a six-gamer on Saturday. Darren Fox had his best game of the year. Kings lost, anyway. Oh, well. Womp womp. Uh, No Luka Doncic on the Dallas side. Don't believe he's expected to be out for particularly long. So Spencer Dinwiddie went crazy. Jalen Brunson had a huge game. Dorian Finney-Smith had a big ball game. Lots of big-time fill-in stuff anytime that Doncic is out. And, of course, the wrong side of this equation is that Maxi Kleba missed this game. I rolled Dwight Powell out in a number of lineups. He fouled out in 28 minutes and didn't have Luka feeding him lobs throughout the game. The whole thing backfired on me. Here's the thing. I know a lot of you guys have come at me and talked about how Spencer Dinwiddie has been amazing. We've seen Dinwiddie enough to know what his fantasy potential is. And unfortunately... It's not that high. It's not because he's not good at basketball. We're fantasy analysts. It's because he's a two-category player. Points, assists. That's it. Free throws have been a little bit better, 
as his career has moved on, he used to be in the in the low 70s, moved his way up into the high 70s. So those we can call kind of a neutral element to his fantasy game now. He's pretty much neutral. But field goal percent, disastrously low throughout his entire career. He's at 41 in his career. He's at 56 with Dallas, by the way. You don't think that's coming down. I got a bridge to sell you. He doesn't rebound. He's averaging two with Dallas this season. He does get assists. He's at five. And since he started playing more minutes, he's up around six or seven with the Mavs. And he's scoring with Dallas, averaging around 17 and a half to 20 points per game since moving into that bigger role. And he had this big 36-point outburst. But doesn't really shoot the three ball. He's only averaged one and a half threes per game over his entire career, and that's basically where he's been lately as well. Uh, does tend to turn it over a decent amount, although he hasn't much in Dallas yet, so we'll just go ahead and ignore that one. We'll call turnovers kind of a wash. But defensive stats are also very low for him in his career. Even in starters' minutes, he's only at about .6 steals per game and about .2, .3 blocks per game. So we really are talking about a two positives in nine cat kind of guy, which is why I've I've gravitated a bit more. Now, if Luca misses ball games, you kind of have to throw Dinwiddie out there because his usage will be high enough that it can overwhelm the absent stuff with scoring. 36 points, seven assists. That's good enough. You don't need to do anything else to have fantasy value if you're average you know, average, not gonna average it. But if you put up 36 and seven, who cares that you didn't have any steals or blocks and your turnovers were kind of high? Who cares? Nobody, nor should we. But when Luca's out there and he's putting up 14 and 9, it looks great. And then you kind of have to look a little bit closer and say, oh, well, this is actually kind of a fringy fantasy line. Now he's happening to shoot the ball a little bit better in Dallas right now, so that's lifting up the numbers, but that's not going to hold. So when that tapers off and you're talking about 15 points, 6 assists, it's more points league friendly. Now, where I've been probably a little bit too bearish on Dinwiddie is that he might really, even with Luka, hit 12-team points league status because he is generally good enough in those two categories to where the others don't really matter. Nine-cat, it's got to be deeper. You can go 12-team when Luka's out, but when Luka's in, the points and assists won't be enough by themselves. Where I think someone like Cam Payne actually has a slight edge because both those guys have bad field goal percent. First of all, Payne's has been better in Phoenix, so you know maybe. But even if we discount that, Payne's actually been a better free throw shooter than Dinwiddie for his career by about four percentage points. And he takes more threes now than Spencer. And their steals and blocks are actually fairly comparable. So there's not that much separating those guys, but all it takes really is one... One and a half extra categories where free throws goes from neutral to a positive, three-pointers goes from neutral to a positive, that's, in nine-cat, that makes all the difference. This sounded like a segment to knock Spencer Dinwiddie after 36-7 and seven game. I just want you guys to have your expectations right. Now, Jalen Brunson is out with a foot issue, so this is a great opportunity to play Dinwiddie because he's going to, he'll probably start, I would think, alongside Doncic. We'll find out soon enough. But these are your moments where that could be 9-cat 12-team level. And then when everybody's back, then he slides back. He'll hang in there with points leagues, but in in 9-cat, it probably falls more towards uh, 14-plus. San Antonio uh, lost in Charlotte. There wasn't a whole lot of noise here. Devin Vassell has some groin tightness. 
Lonnie Walker's got a stomach bug. Kata Bates' job has a sore back. What does it mean? Honestly, I don't know. There are sometimes that certain guys are out, and you just don't really know who's going to step up for them. Because when it was just Vassell, I would have said, oh, Lonnie Walker probably takes his stuff. But we're two dominoes down now. And, you know, that could be Trey Jones. That could be Josh Primo. They might run big a little bit more. And Doug McDermott might see 30 minutes instead of 23. It's really not clear who the hell picks up the pieces for San Antonio. I think your safe play is just to roll with the usual guys that aren't hurt. So DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertl. Keldon, by the way, shout out. He's not my cup of tea in fantasy typically, but he's been pretty good since the trade deadline when they moved some stuff out of the way. Derek White in particular, he's picked up some of that usage. Probably the most of it. Thought Devin Vassell would pick up more of that stuff. It actually turns out it's been kind of split a little bit more to Johnson at times. P.J. Washington, nice ball game for Charlotte. He's locked in until Gordon Hayward comes back, which apparently is not that far away, but it's not right around the corner either. Montrez Harrell is the question mark, I think. Uh, and I got in trouble, and briefly it looked like I was wrong, and now I don't think I was wrong anymore. Because right after the trade, my first take was, even if Montrez gets some minutes, he's another guy who has a cleaner path to value in points formats. And people were like, nah, I would never drop Montrez Harrell. And then he got a ton of minutes right out of the shoot. And I thought, damn, yeah, okay, don't drop him. But his minutes have suddenly become a bit more iffy. Not so much guaranteed. And the free throw shooting is bad. And he doesn't do much defensively. So it's points, field goal percent, sometimes rebounds. But if the minutes aren't there, then the rebounds goes away. And then you're really just sitting on field goal percent. I would hold on a little bit longer because we saw that it seems like they kind of like to give him the extra minutes and Spurs tend to run a little bit small outside of Pirtle. So give Montrez a little bit more leash, but you know, he's not a must hold guy. If this, if 17 minutes a game with this type of thing holds up and you're also not picking up Mason Plumley, even though he has slightly better ball game here because gross. It's occurring to me that I'm once again doing a terrible job of speeding through anything at all. Although, luckily, Philly-Miami, I don't have a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, I do think Tobias Harris can still be had at a pretty damn low price if you're not past your trade deadline, which a lot of leagues are. Tyrese Maxey is someone who is going to come back to earth and soon. You might be able to get a top 45 guy for Tyrese these days. He's really been crushing it. Or, if you're past your deadline, you know, you're either stuck with it, but you ride it out, or you enjoy it and ride it out, depending on what happens. Anthony Simons is out with a quad contusion, so he's down to a two-game week, which is going to be a really tough call in weekly formats. You probably have to bench him in case he has to miss a second ball game, and that's a damn shame because Portland, he's he is kind of the bright star for that Blazers club. Josh Hart supposed to be back for their next ball game. I'm not sold on any of these other guys yet. I'm leaning towards yes on Drew Eubanks in 28 plus minutes per game. He fouled out of this one. That's a tough matchup, man. He had cat. He got eaten alive by Cat in this ball game. Uh, but it seems like, and he's on a 10-day contract. I got to think that they probably just sign him at the end of the next one because he's starting for Portland right now. How many 10 days can you do? Two or three? Is it three now? I don't know. I'm not a contract guy. Uh, I think Eubanks probably just starts for the Blazers the rest of the way. I don't think we see Nurk or Dame down the stretch, so I like him. 
And then as far as these other guys go, it's really about assessing fantasy stat set. I got a bunch of questions on Twitter about Brandon Williams. I, I saw nothing to like about this in nine cat. I know he had 21 points, you know, great. Somebody scores 20 points. Everybody asks about them. It's sort of, it's like a rite of passage in fantasy sports, but two rebounds, one assist and one steal in 27 minutes. That is nothing on the peripheral side. I was more impressed with Keon Johnson going for 15, two and five with a steal in 29 minutes and three, three pointers. I know his usage was lower than Williams, but I'm going to want somebody who's getting me some assists I would love it if he had grabbed a few rebounds, which I don't know that we can trust that either. And then Trendon Watford is a guy to watch because he will get you some rebounds. 12, 14, and 4 with a block. You know, percentages weren't as good for Watford, and that'll probably be a problem, which is why right now I'm kind of only leaning towards yes on Eubanks. And then Josh Hart, if and when he plays. Winslow, if and when he plays. Simons, if and when he plays. That stuff's the slightly more obvious side of the card. Uh... But in terms of these weirdo fill-in guys, they got to go Eubanks, yes, and then Johnson, Watford, I'm watching closely, and Williams, I'm kind of looking at, like, I need to see a rebound or an assist before I care. Minnesota, they're kind of mixing and matching right now. D'Angelo Russell is questionable. Torian Prince is questionable. Nas Reed is questionable. Pat Beverly is questionable. Anthony Edwards is questionable. I've got to assume at least a couple of those guys don't play, which makes me think Jaden McDaniels and Malik Beasley are really nice streams for tonight. Minnesota has a pretty good schedule this week. They play four times the first six days. I don't think you should use a weekly move up on a, a Timberwolf right now because you could have different guys in and out over the course of each of those four games. But again, this is more roto-y. If you can make a move, roto league for today, Beasley, McDaniels, those guys not questionable. They're probably in line for pretty decent ball games. And then Jared Vanderbilt, who got dropped in a lot of spots, he's probably also in line for a decent game. Orlando got spanked. Not a huge surprise there. Memphis, pretty good ball club. Uh, Mo Bamba, he'll be better in the next one. He's been better uh, really over the last few weeks. So that's been good. Mo Wagner caught fire, but you're not paying attention to that unless it sticks. Cole Anthony, obviously better when Jalen Suggs is out. A lot of guys are on that team because there's just stuff. And then Markel Fultz is pretty much pinned in that 15 to 20 minute range right now. So don't don't go diving on that. Uh, Chumo Kiki locked in. Bamba, good. Anthony, I think, you know, there's enough wiggle room here. And then Suggs is questionable. So, you know, he might not chip into it either. Franz Wagner's like the only safe play. Um, but I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think Magic actually do have enough guys for fantasy value here. Wagner is a yes. Bamba's a yes. Okiki's a yes. Wendell Carter Jr. is a yes. Cole Anthony is a yes when anybody's out. And then when everybody's in, he's kind of a maybe. And that's the same story with Jalen Suggs. The Warriors are their own weird little puzzle today. Uh, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Gary Payton II, Obviously, still Draymond Green, Andre Godala, James Wiseman. Those guys were out already. And now Otto Porter is sick, and Juan Toscano Anderson is sick. And the Warriors might be running out about five guys and just taking an L tonight. Jordan Poole is one of those five guys, and he might have to score 50 by himself. But really, at this point, anyone who's active for the Warriors 
should probably be streamed. Damian Lee, Nemanja Bjelica, Kevon Looney, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. Like, there's just so few available players. If you wanted to rank them, you go pool at the top, and then everybody else way the hell below him. Kaminga probably gets enough. He would be my second choice. Wait and find out if Porter and Juan Toscano Anderson are, are healthy enough to play, because those guys would be in that that bucket as well. But, I mean, this is gross, and you can't spend a head-to-head move on it because the other Warriors are going to be back for their next ball game. And I don't know that you can even spend a roto move on it because the news is going to break so late that, like, what are you going to do? Who are you going to drop? Anyway, stay glued to the news. That's the only way you're going to get anything out of this Warriors thing. And then for the Lakers, LeBron, big game Saturday, 56 points. And now his knee is sore. No surprise there. Uh, Malik Monk, when he starts, he's a go. Same story there. Carmelo is a start. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Russ. I told you a hundred times not to draft Russ, and some of you still did. I have nothing but rage. Austin Reeves had a really nice game, though. Ten points, five boards, two assists, three steals, two blocks. I don't, I don't think I believe that the fantasy value can hold, but if he ends up playing 30-plus minutes a game until Anthony Davis gets back, and maybe even after, because they might slide him down a spot and bench Stanley Johnson or they might bench Malik Monk. I don't know. Or they might bench Reeves. Austin's just been playing so hard. I don't think they can take him out of the lineup. He's not an ad yet though. We need to see the fantasy stuff a few games in a row before actually taking the plunge on someone who's basically just a a defense only kind of basketball player. And then the question I ask myself at the end of all of these reverse chronological lightning rounds, did we miss anyone over the weekend? The answer is yes. It's always yes. Atlanta. Uh, John Collins came back, played 25 minutes. So Danilo Gallinari, this whimper of a stream we went with with him that ended up lasting like two and a half weeks because of the All-Star break. I think we can probably call that done. And it was annoying anyway. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, Trey Young, John Collins, those are the guys you start right now. And then, you know, Capella's been kind of arrowed down. So we'll keep one eye on him as well. Uh, Chicago, I believe, didn't play over the weekend either, but there really isn't anything there. That one's one you can just keep trucking. It's a big old who cares. Tristan Thompson actually started. Goofy little thing the Bulls tried, but he only played 20 minutes, and, you know, fantasy-wise, he stinks anyway. And is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so, hey, it's uh, it's March. Hope you guys have gotten something from buddies over at manscaped.com. Promo code ethos20. 20% off. Free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Go check out the new lawnmower. The old lawnmower, lip balm. You've got different razors, the three-blade razor, the single-blade razor. You've got boxers. You've got shaving mats. I love myself the nail kit, the shears, luxury nail kit. I actually need to use that today. Got a a couple of weird-looking nails on my right hand. Uh, Go get something, would you? 20% 20% off free shipping with promo code ethos20 over at manscaped.com. They just make good products. So go get one. Try it out. You're like, what's, why does Dan keep talking about this all this time? Because they're a sponsor? Yeah, but they also send me this stuff so I can try it. It's just good stuff. And I said it to you before. I actually really, I love my Lawnmower 3.0. That's my favorite one they've ever made. 
sometimes a company just nails it and then they like they want to want to keep doing things you got to improve upon it but sometimes you've just made the thing on more 3.0 go get it manscape.com promo code ethos 20 and now i bring you our brief streaming look so late last week, we talked about the long stream. I'm not going to redo that part of the podcast. In fact, we talked about it on Wednesday and Friday shows of last week. So if you want those, just roll back into them and tune in and hear the long stream stuff. But what I want to do here every day of the week is just look at like kind of the next little chunk of the calendar. We've talked a lot about how the Warriors have a back-to-back today and tomorrow. But let's say you were unable to get on the Warriors and now you're kind of planning for tomorrow. You want to stay ahead of everybody. Well, here's a few tidbits on what's coming up over the next few days in the NBA. For one, Boston, bad schedule to start this week. Just something to put in the back of your head in case you have someone you could move today. You might even be able to get them back by Wednesday. Celtics are very starter heavy, but we talked about Derek White as maybe a drop because you can maximize your week. You might be able to turn it into a five-game slot not a whole lot of shifting. Still, I don't think I'd use a move once the week has already started. This is something you kind of needed to do last week anyway. Charlotte, starting tomorrow, goes three times in four days. That's a really good spot, and they do have some bench guys available, like a Cody Martin, sometimes Kelly Oubre, if someone's dropped Montrez Harrell. There are bodies on that team that you could stream for four days. Also, starting tomorrow, Clippers, Three games in four nights. They're a really fun team to stream, not in Roto, in head-to-head, because everybody gets 25 minutes. So now you, it brings into guys like... It, it brings in Amir Coffey. Uh, it brings in Luke Kennard. Clippers actually go five times in seven days, by the way. So don't sell them short. You pick up a Clipper tomorrow, you can actually hold them all the way until Monday. And you should, because you're not going to get a better path than five and seven. Pelicans, three games in four nights. Not much in the way of streaming there unless somebody dumped Herb Jones. I don't think I'd go Devontae Graham, crummy bench stream, but they've got it. Orlando, three and four. Phoenix, three games in four nights as well. Although there, again, pretty shallow, but you could stream like an Aaron Holiday if you really wanted to, or JaVale McGee, and those are the teams that go three times in four nights. The Clippers, the only team in that group that goes five times in seven. If you're looking a little farther ahead, there's only one team in the NBA that goes back-to-back Wednesday-Thursday, and that's Denver, which we talked about as part of a potential long stream, and that makes them a unique and really interesting team for streaming. First of all, they do have some guys that are streamable. Monte Morris isn't rostered everywhere. Will Barton, if he's hurt, that might create a little bit of wiggle room for you know, someone like a Bryn Forbes might pop up, although, you know, Barton might come back and kind of ruin the whole thing. Jeff Green, Michael Green, these guys tend to see just enough time to be marginally, like sort of right on the borderline of fantasy relevant, but streamable, yes. And so that's kind of what you're looking at over the next couple of days. And that's what I want to do at the end of each of these podcasts is look at the teams that have really interesting stream schedules starting in the next couple of days, and you can plan ahead that way. What I would also say is don't use a roster move today in head-to-head. Unless you've got a guy who gets ruled out from injury, don't use a move today. 
preferably don't use a move tomorrow either. Although I think the notable exception to that would be the Clippers because if you're making a move, that's one you're only doing that once a week. You're not using, you're not changing that slot again. You're effectively getting a five game week, even if it does then stretch between two different gaming periods. And that's how the stream should work. You should be looking for teams that go five and seven as the absolute best case scenario. Six in nine is sort of the second best case scenario for the long stream. And then you start to bring it back down a little bit. Three games in four nights and back-to-backs. Very rarely are we only looking at a back-to-back because typically we want to be streaming two to three roster slots in the playoffs while also maintaining flexibility to drop an injured player. My voice is very tired. I did play-by-play three days in a row over the weekend, and my voice is not ready for that because it's been a long time. <laughs> Even back when I did minor league baseball every day for you know five months in a row, my voice still got pretty tired. We had 13, 14, 15 games in a row, and by like day nine, I was cooked. Six years since I've done that much play-by-play in a row. So yeah, I'm a little beat. Uh, have a great Monday, everybody. We'll have a little more vocal strength tomorrow. We'll recap the Monday and give you another look. We will... And, and what the reason, what's going to happen here is, so like I talked about Denver being the only team that has a Wednesday, Thursday back-to-back this week. I'm going to remind you guys of that on tomorrow's show, but we're always going to look at two days. So there's going to be overlap between each of our shows. On today's show, Monday's show, we're going to talk Tuesday and Wednesday, potential streaming start points. Tomorrow we'll talk Wednesday, Thursday. So that way, if any of you miss a show, you'll actually be able to kind of catch up during that one episode. And then once we get towards the weekend, Thursday, Friday shows, we'll start looking at the following week and kind of reset the long stream. Because we already talked about the Warriors, the Nuggets. We talked about the Cavs as an interesting team that has six and nine. Uh, I think it was the Wizards, the other one. Yeah, it was the Wizards. So yeah, still in there. Brain still works. And we'll do some of this stuff on social as well. So if you have any questions, we'll take it over to that neck of the woods. I am Dan Vespers. Hey, thanks to those that have rated and reviewed the podcast. A couple more trickling in. I really, really, really want to get to 775 before the regular season ends. I don't know why I want it so bad, but I just do. So whatever you can do, we're nine reviews away on iTunes from 775. I'll love you forever. I'm Dan Vespers. I'll talk to you guys on social media at Dan Vespers before my voice completely kicks out. And then back here with another episode of Fantasy NBA Today tomorrow. So long, everybody.